This is episode number two with master trainer and national top-ranked speaker, Boris Wakin. Mabuhai, and welcome to the Best of You podcast. I'm your host, Mike Grogan, and each week we give you an inspirational person or message designed to empower you to go further faster. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now let the show begin. Welcome to today's podcast. I have got a very special guest today. He's, I like to say he's not just a special guest, but he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. It is Boris Wakin, and he is one of the country's top-ranking public speakers and yeah. trainers for leadership development and soft skills such as customer service, stakeholder engagement and management, succession planning, and servant leadership. In particular, he's the master trainer in the Philippines of the Lead Like Jesus training program. Um, also, he is the Chief Equipping Officer of Breakthrough Leadership and Management Consultancy, and as well as Salt and Light Ventures. So, Boris, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome deal because, like what you said, uh, I'm not just your guest. Uh, we're fast becoming friends, and I'm I'm enjoying the fact that uh, we're on that journey. There's so much things that you learn with friends, and I, I think you're the kind of guy that I can really learn much from, Mike. Oh, well, that's uh, I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you, Boris. I've I've been privileged to actually spend time with your family, mm-hmm. your two beautiful daughters. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I really think today, and what the topics we're going to deep dive in, that our listeners will really take a lot of value out of your journey and the lessons that you've learned along the way. So I thank you so much again for taking some time to share that with our listeners this morning. Yeah. Well, it's, it's my, it's my honor. Okay. So let's go straight into this. Um, gratitude. I think I really believe in the importance of gratitude, daily gratitude. So what are you most grateful for right now? Right now? Well, uh, well, other than my two daughters, they just came, they just went back to school this morning. Well, this week, basically. Uh, well, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that uh, I've met you. I'm grateful that we're doing this. Uh, I'm grateful that you're doing what you're doing. I, I, I think there's so much to say about someone who is uh, purposeful and is mission-oriented. Um, I'm grateful about... Recently, I've met some people who's quite intentional with what they do. I've met a couple of CEOs, and you were in the same event. I've met... Um, client uh, fairly yesterday and I like the intentionality that goes with what they wanted to do and I and and I like when people I like it when people are purposeful mainly because they uh, when when we when we're successful at something it's not because we were competent or we lack competence something that's why we're unsuccessful it's maybe because we have direction or we lack direction so mm-hmm. Uh, I'm grateful for people who have direction because at, at least you know they're going somewhere and if you put them all together and in a collaborative way, uh, it's going to help a, a greater majority. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. I'm, I'm grateful for individuals who like that and you're one of them. So Oh, well, thank you so much. Grateful for you. No, I appreciate that. And see, Boris, I've got a, well, I had the opportunity of understanding more your career and your journeys so far. But if you were to like, 
look back at your career, what achievements comes to mind that are you most proud of? Uh, well, well, I, I think the, 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 the best achievement that I'm probably proud of is the fact that I'm, I'm I managed to transition to where I am right now. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I told you much about this, but my background, I graduated with a degree in communication arts. And um, typically, if you're in communications, you either end up in broadcasting and media or marketing. And I ended up in one of them. I ended up in marketing. I was doing marketing for the first 10 years of my life. Mm. And although I love marketing, it's it's not my passion. My passion is really more on people development and people management and and the psychology behind that. So if I would go back and I, I want to take behavioral science or psychology. And so I'm particularly proud about the fact that I had the, the boldness and courage and just taking the risk to make that transition. And um, on top of awards and whatever citations I may have received, it's just making that shift because normally you wouldn't want to dare because you're kind of settled and grounded, but making the shift was really a big deal for me. And to be doing it uh, with a fair amount of, uh, I would say success. It's, I think it's an achievement by itself. So mm. uh, very few people know that, but uh, the transition for me was the biggest achievement in my life. Wow. And actually I want to deep dive in that further because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, listeners right now, possibly in jobs or careers that they believe there's not their passion and they're looking for inspiration and help mm -hmm. with that transition. So we'll deep dive later, if that's okay with you. Sure. Because I think folks can learn a lot from that. If you were to, and maybe this is a question, this would be a, a difficult question, but if there's a quotation, I know you, bro, mm. and I've seen you on stage, you have mm. many, many amazing quotations, but if exactly. you were to highlight one that has particularly inspired you in that transition or generally through your career, what quotation would you pick to share? Uh, highlighting one is the challenge, but then you know, there's a lot, there's a lot really. Uh, there, there's a quotation on leadership that I really uh, embraced fully. Um, and the fact that um, this is a quotation, but can I just say two? Yes. Permission <laughs> it's <granted>. the best <laughs> I can do. Like, and it's really hard to even trim them down to five. But one in leadership is one by Phil Hodges. It says leadership is anytime that you influence another person, whether in their personal or professional life. That was life changing to me because I know leadership is about influence, mm. but when he said anytime, and I really encircled the word anytime when I first read it, it's because um, and then I connected, I had connecting lines on the word per, per personal and professional. It made me realize the kind of power and responsibility we would have if we know the art and science of influence. Mm. And, and I know I have influence and I know that it doesn't necessarily come from position or from, uh, the job responsibility or the status quo that you have, but it's, mainly because you have the ability to, to motivate, inspire, persuade, and even mentor and sustain people. So that is an awesome realization at my younger age, just to know that I can influence people anytime mm. and I should take that responsibility seriously. That's the first quote. The other one is, um, it's interesting because it's something to do with learning because if there's two big L's in my life other than love and 
in life itself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's leadership and, and learning. So I just gave you a quote on leadership. The other one is on learning. Uh, and it's quoted by Margie Blanchard. Ken Blanchard is my biggest hero of all time when it comes to organizational development. He's a management guru and he's married to uh, an awesome lady named Margie. And she was quoted saying this, and, and you would never typically don't get a quote from a housewife, <laughs> but I, I did. And I know it's been published quite lately, but uh, she said something like, the gap between knowing and doing is greater than the gap between knowledge and ignorance. So wow. for, for listeners who, who didn't get that, the gap between knowing and doing is greater than the gap between ignorance and knowledge. The point there is um, when we don't know something, I mean... Ignor- I mean, ignorance is a good excuse. Like, I don't know you yet, so I could probably treat you different. I would probably yeah. think you're Australian, or <laughs> so. So I probably I'd call you, uh, I mean, a mate, but you know, I know you're not because I know you're Irish. Um, I I should treat you differently, or I should refer to you with the proper um, cultural uh, stuff. But then, um, when you know something and you fail to do it or you fail to act on it, I think it's a greater sin because it's the sin of omission. It's, it's not doing what you think is right or what should be done. So that was a big learning insight for me because I know this already. I should do this. I know that I should get better Then I should do, I should get better and I know how to get better. So I should practice the house and I know why I should get better. So, I mean, but if I don't know that, so you don't fault someone who doesn't know a thing, but mm. after they learn something yes, and you pound it on them, I mean, and it's, I, I think it's a bigger responsibility not to actually act on it. Mm. Oh, I love that quote. I absolutely love that quote. Thank you so much. I'm going to give you another difficult question because <laughs> okay. I know you're every reader is a lead as a, no, every leader is a reader. What book? And you mentioned one author. Uh, if you were to pick one book, now here I am. Uh-huh. That has transformed your thinking. That that you would recommend to our listeners. Again, there's a lot. I mm. mean, uh, I, I think we had this conversation before, and I, I had a laundry list of books. So, and it it's it dif- it it differs from one area of learning from from the other. So, I'm, lately, I am. Particularly, I was particularly inspired by the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Your Why. Yeah. Start With a Why. But then uh, that was really more like a reminder for me. Um, The the book that actually got me, if I'm going to go back in my younger years, again, can I cite two? Of course. (laughs) The the first book that actually um, transformed me is a book entitled Experiencing God. Mm. It was written by Henry Blackaby and, 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 um, I forgot the other one. John, John Claude is a celebrity. <laughs> so, uh, there's, but yeah, Henry Blackaby is the main author. I, I think somebody just helped him put it together. I like it because, um, it's a spiritual book, obviously. Yep. Um, it almost sounds mystical, but it's, but it's not. It's actually practical because it comes from a framework and, uh, you know me. I, I'm, from, from the training, from this training industry. I mean, my, my mindset is, is so framed in a lot of ways. I, I like it because it talks about 
um, moving into your life's purpose according to God's purposes. Mm. And I think it's the first book that did that. And it, the, the first part of the framework basically says, join God where he is already at work. And that was an aha moment for me because it's like, I thought I had to do something and ask for blessings from God and say, can, I'm going to do this, God. I'm going to ask permission. Can I say that? Okay. But he, but what Henry's saying, God is already at work. Yes. And, and he, there's this straight line. I wish it's a visual so your listeners can see it. But there's a straight line of a noble vision in life or your, your grand purpose in life. But because of our stubbornness, I mean, we go from swiggly lines and twisted lines and, and a lot of detours. But eventually, because you know that this is where God is at the work, you just basically go in alignment with that and mm. stay there. So that was a big aha moment for me. And, um, um, and also because, uh, there's a portion there when, when he said, there's a topic there that says, um, when you're experiencing crisis of belief, that's where you take a bold step of faith. Mm. Christ of belief is defined as when you're in doubt and there's a lot of challenges and there seems to be a lot of things against you. Then that's the moment when, when you decide that, okay, I'm going to take a leap because this is a sign that I'm on the right track. Mm. So it's like, uh, it's almost like saying that if, if the enemy is perplex, then you, you might be getting in his way. So mm. you, you have to, you have to feel good about that and stay on the same path. So that's one experiencing God is mainly because spiritually and holistically it helped me a lot. Um, the other book that I, I like is, of course, you mentioned that when you were introducing me, it's Lead Like Jesus. Mm. Uh, primarily because I love everything that Ken Blanchard have written, including the one minute manager. One minute manager talks about appreciation and gratitude and, and, and one minute, um, criticisms as well and one minute apology. And he also wrote a book entitled Situational Leadership, which talks about flexibility in your leadership style, depending on the development level of your people. I think Lead Like Jesus kind of captured that in, in four domains. How do you lead according to your head? How do you lead according to your heart? Mm. How do you lead according to your hands, which is your leadership behaviors? And how do you lead according to your habits, which is more connected with your consistency and your productivity. Mm. So it's holistic for me. So it became my springboard for all other leadership books. But of course, the uh, the main thrust there is that it used the model of Jesus as a leadership, um, as a leadership pattern to follow. Mm. So whether I read a book by Joseph Grenny or John Maxwell or uh, all other leadership gurus out there, I try to match it on Lead Like Jesus and surprisingly, if there are four domains, I find them fit in certain domains. So mm-hmm. it became, in a way, forgive the, the expression, it, it became like the Bible to me when it comes to leadership books. So, yes. and I like doing the mind mapping, which is a different uh, skill altogether. I just, I just put them there and it kind of gives me a good grounding on what kind of leadership I want to develop for myself and what I would like to teach to others. So whenever I read another leadership book, I put it back there. So lead like Jesus is probably it. And that's why I was passionate about it. I became a master trainer for it. I, I haven't perfected the leadership craft behind it, but it's it's an ongoing process. Wow. Wonderful. And for our listeners, all the books that Boris referenced, we will have them on the show notes. So all the links, the authors, 
for uh, that you can explore further. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, moving on to the topic of adversity. <laughs> adversity? Yes, and challenges right. and overcoming those challenges because I know there's a lot of our listeners right now fighting hard battles. Um, I'm fighting a hard battle. I'm sure everyone in life is fighting hard battles right now and a lot of listeners are close to quitting. Mm. And and I know when I've seen you on stage, I've seen you on stage with hundreds of people and in those moments where we see you um, as a, either as a trainer or speaker, people see the private, they see the public victory. But every, for, before every public victory, there comes a private victory. Mm. And there's things that happen in your life um, in terms of setbacks and failures that people on that, uh, in those audiences, they never heard of or never uh, can uh, fully appreciate. So with your permission, where you feel comfortable, <laughs> yeah. could you share with us maybe one, I don't like the word failure because of the negative connotations mm. with that, but a setback in your life that you learned the most from. Jan Nashville had a book called uh, Failing Forward. Mm. And, and I remember we had a, we had a convention on that um, two years ago. And incidentally, I was one of the main speakers of it. <laughs> My good friend, who's a business, uh, who's also a businessman who puts together, um, events like that. And he knew the failure that I had in terms of career mm-hmm. and business. So, uh, and I, and I know to a certain extent it was made public. I mean, not that it was, uh, emphasized on, but it's, it wasn't hidden. Um, so if I were to tell you, if I were to make it just one failure, or if I have to focus with just one, sure. I'll probably say I have a, I have this major ego problem. And it's probably a combination of Pride and fear. Mm. I have to drink water so, so I can prepare myself for what I'm about to say next. <laughs> no. No, it's, uh, and, and I think every leader has that. In my case, it's really more of uh, thinking, um, thinking so much of being more self-centered. And I, I think we're naturally self-centered in, in so many ways. And, um, when that becomes the focus of my leadership and the things that I do, I, I normally fail. There's a lot of things that crumbles down because it clouds your vision. Yes. Because normally your vision, if it's noble, it goes beyond yourself. And, and I think in, in the failures that I had in life, whether in my career or in my, in my business, because I have an, uh, I have been infected with my ego virus called pride. Mm. And that crept into my life, uh, fairly in the, in the, in the prime years of my adulthood. So it's like in my early thirties and mid thirties. And the other one is, is fear and, and, uh, I, I love to give an an, uh, an acrostic to the to the word fear. It's like uh, it's like false evidence appearing real. Yes. And um, so 
what I mean by that is that it's not really fear that I'm scared of a ghost or something. It's really more like, uh, because of my pride, I think, and of my self-centeredness, I, I tend to be fearful of things like somebody might, uh, belittle my leadership or somebody might try to dethrone me if there is such a throne that I'm even sitting on to begin with. So it's like, uh, and, and that fear allows, um, engulfs my, my being to build a self-protective defense mechanism. Mm. So you build this wall and, 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 and you're building a wall against nothing because there's really nothing there. So it's a false thing. So, um, those are my biggest failures, I think, from, from deep within, because you were saying that this, some of the things that you battle privately. Mm. And I, I'm not saying that I've overcome them. It, it's still there. I, I think those are little Tamagotchis. I don't know. Do you know Tamagotchis? It's a, it's a Japanese thing. I think you, that you play digitally. Okay. You, you kind of feed them digitally. It's like a digital pet. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I think those are like my Tamagotchis in life. It, I, I, it's still there. You, you try to suppress it, but you know, they always come back. And, and somebody said, I, I forgot where this came from. Uh, I think it's from the movie Tomorrowland. So now I'm, I'm, I'm confused. So, uh, somebody's, I, I think the actor, I think George Clooney said there, um, when good and bad collides, who do you think would win? And then he said, Oh, no, I think it's a female actress who said that. The, fe- the, act- the female actor there. She said, whoever you feeds the most. Um, so if you feed your pride and fear more, it, it probably grows into a monster. Mm. And, and the failure in my life without being specific really is that because I feed it, yes. it devours the very people who are closest to me first because they're immediately there. So the monster comes out and rah, gets them. So, uh, I think what my, my best less learning from that experience is to, to recognize the, the symptoms of those ego problems, whether pride or fear, because they can come in and it, they can come back anytime now. But I failed mainly because I allowed my ego to get the best out of me. Yes. Whether in running a business that went bankrupt or whether in a career that didn't, that, that went south. So it's something that when, ref, when I reflected on it, I have no one else to blame, although there might be other variables and others would say it's not mainly my fault. But then when I look deeper into my heart, I realized that I have ego problems and that's mainly the cause of it. I, relationships turn sour because I allowed my ego, my mm. ego get the best out of me and not, not nurture that relationship. Mm. A business deal went bad, mainly because I was more self-centered than other person centered. So. Mm. Thank you. No, I really, really appreciate it. And, and Boris, those, there's many reasons why I want you on the show. And that's um, that honesty and humility and vulnerability that you shared is one of the very reasons why I think you've been on this show sharing with the listeners is, uh, and it's much, much appreciated. It was hard. I was, I was gulping like two black cups of water. <laughs> just to be able to do. Okay. So let's, uh, let's on still on the subject of adversity. 
Um, I want you to kind of share with you advice that you would give someone who's going through a difficult season right now. And particularly those who are maybe hoping to make a, a change in their life, whether it be change of career, a change of relationship, it's, it's, it's a significant change. But, and, and this is where the, uh, mm -hmm. maybe I want you to focus on, but the adversity is coming from those they love. Ah. So wow. I've, I've experienced this myself when my family didn't want me to do certain things in my career, especially quit my job in America to go to Africa, etc. Mm. I faced a lot of adversity from those that are closest to me that I expected to support me the most. So with that context in my, what, um, what's the one or two things, a piece of advice that you give to the listener who's going through a difficult season right now? Well, I actually wrote an article and, and my, my therapeutic Activity and this probably is a good advice. Is I write it down. <laughs> okay. I, I I love what you do, Mike, because you basically have a huge notebook. My daughter Isabel admires you for that because she got my journaling, um, my behavior of journaling, and and when she saw you with a big notebook, she was like, <laughs> she, he has a bigger notebook than both of us, Daddy. Combined. So, uh, so uh, my 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 therapeutic action when things. Uh, are not do whether things are going well or not doing well when I'm busy and toxic, I journal. Mm. And I think that's a good advice to a lot of leaders there. Uh, well, anyway, so I wrote something about transitioning and I know because, um, because it went well, I think. And when, when my wife edited it, it ended up being an article. Uh, but of course she removed a lot of things there, which are personal. Uh, I think when I, when I wrote that article, I was focusing on the fact that um, when you transition, a lot of adversities come your way because mm -hmm. um, uh, transitioning does not happen smoothly. There's a lot of challenges opposed to that and adjustments. And in, in, in my case, it's really losing friends mm -hmm. uh, in the process. Um, and then, or even with your family members, it's, you probably won't lose them simply because the affinity is permanent, but uh, you lose touch at them yeah. because if you move in a different location, that would be the case. You, uh, you would lose financial viability. You would probably lose, uh, you'd probably be like in a vertigo. You know how it feels in a vertigo when you, everything's kind of woozy and, and, and things are not going to settle down in the next six months or one year. So, um, in all those, Obstacles, challenges, and seemingly seeming difficulties in 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 any change phase or transitioning phase in your life. My my big advice is really to focus on your goal, on your vision, it, because you need to be reminded that you're doing this for a purpose. Of course, if you're transitioning just for the sake of transitioning, that is crazy. But if you're transitioning because you have a good reason for doing so. Uh, like in my case, when I shifted from a regular earning uh, career to a viable source of income and, and a business like this, and, and I think I explained to you at some point that this is a variable income. It only, it, only when we're booked do we get yeah. uh, something. That was a big transition from something that is stable to something that's seemingly unstable. Mm. It, it's like a step of faith. Running a business is really is a big faith step. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, 
because uh, you stand the risk of losing money and losing your resources and, and even losing, losing your reputation if things doesn't go well. So um, the second advice is to, to really have that faith that you were meant to be there. Um, the discussion about finding your purpose in life is a different uh, episode altogether, I suppose. But once you know uh, where you are headed, you need to have faith and hold on to that faith that you're really meant to be there. And success will not happen immediately, but it would probably happen gradually. And then when it does, uh, uh, there's this, um, you, you, you get to that stage where everything is euphoric. I mean, everything's just going well and, well, there still be slight challenges, but it's going to be a notch higher than, than your transitioning stage where everything's, is like being in a vertigo. So, Yes, uh, be reminded of your vision and, and, and have faith that you're really meant to be there and, and mm-hmm. fight for it. I mean, that's my last advice. Fight for it. Um, nobody gets anywhere without fighting for it. Uh, and when I say fight for it, I mean, you don't punch your mom because <laughs> your mom disagrees with you. You, you, you make a stand. I mean, um, and, and I, I tell this to a lot of young, Young men uh, like you who would ask me, how, how would you fight for it? Um, I think a lot of young men do not know how to defend or explain why they're there. And that's why I like the book of Simon Sinek. Because basically, he's teaching the younger generation today, start with your why. Understand why you're there and then uh, move on from that. And then from the why, start building the how. And then after you build how you do things and and your processes, and then you, you will now establish your what. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to have a fast, uh, is, wants to grab that fast progress or growth when, when they already have their what. A lot mm-hmm. of people would start their businesses, and the first thing that they do is they, they design their calling card and call themselves CEO. <laughs> but that's really not the way to go. I mean, why are you doing it? I mean, and then develop all those up ways on, on how to get there and, and master it, fail at some of them, learn lessons, and then, and then come up with your what. And, and then that's the only time you, you get your calling card. Hey, I'm a CEO of this so and so, whatever that is. But you can, you can fight for it better if you know why you're fighting for it. Mm-hmm. And you, you can have this standard statements. And if you, if you have that, then it's easier to convince other people. Mm-hmm. And nobody can argue with somebody who is, uh, who is purposeful, someone who has vision and direction and especially someone who fights for his vision. Yes. I met this guy, I forgot his last name. His name is Bill. He, he funded a, an NGO called the Metro World Child. It's, um, it's an NGO that helps street kids in New York. And, um, and I was interviewing because he seems to be a great man and I like people with great vision. And so I was interviewing some of his staff and employees. And one lady actually said, there's two things that you would love and hate about Bill. She said, he has a vision. You would love him about him. And he's focused on that vision. And you would hate him because he's focused about that vision. Mm. And I like that because it tells me that Bill is focused and has faith about his vision. But he would fight for it. That's why some people would hate him. Mm. Some people would have this 
seemingly great idea, but Bill would say something like, it's not part of our vision. Don't do it. Stop doing that. It's not part of our vision. And I love that because uh, the value of being focused on your vision and having faith about it and, and fighting for it is just um, amazing. So be a person uh, who people would love for your vision and who would probably hate you for your vision because some people will not agree with your vision. And that's fine. And fight for it. Yes. Thank you. I love that advice. I really, I think, wow, there's a massive amount of takeaways there. You actually, if you don't, can I have your permission to link sure. the article sure, sure. that you referenced so um, that are in the show notes? I just have to check where it is. Uh, okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you some other time. And probably you could put it, how do you call it? Your show notes. Your so show notes. Okay. On the, the okay. website. Sure, sure. So I think our listeners would really appreciate yeah. um, reading further on, on the topic of diversity. So thank you so much it, for that. That article is, is very practical, actually. So it would give them tips, like basically like relocating and all those. Sort of, yes. It's, it's more detailed. Yeah. Thank you. And that's exactly what this show is about. It's about inspiration and empowering people with practical tips. Okay. So thank you. Uh, so a random question. Are you ready for it? Sure. Shoot. If you were to punch someone in the face, oh, no. who would that be and why? <laughs> I'd probably punch myself. Ah, I, okay. Why? Because like what I said, I, one of my major reflection in, my, in the last decade is that I'm an egocentric person. So I think my, my best and worst enemy is myself. So I'll probably punch myself if I said something. Like, for example, if, our, if something goes sour about our friendship, yeah. I won't punch you. I'll probably punch myself. I probably did something stupid. Forgive the word. <laughs> then, and, and looking back on that, and I want to change it because if I, if, if I held back my reaction at some point or discerned better or became more discreet or became, uh, more, um, uh, have more empathy in what you're going through, mm -hmm. then probably we wouldn't have a sour interaction and therefore ruin the friendship. So I would punch myself, Mike, anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Boris, for that honesty. <laughs> and if, um, so for people who don't know you, they see a successful CEO, they see a, one of the country's top speakers. But what is something that most people don't know about you that you're willing to share? Uh, that you haven't, I know you've shared a lot already, but something maybe... Uh, uh, trivial or something entertaining or make well, people smile. <laughs> I'm, I'm a DC fanboy. I, I love DC comics. So oh, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of geeky about that. Uh, so I've, I've followed Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, uh, and even Wonder Woman actually to a certain oh. extent simply because they come to, I, I like the, the story behind it. I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually an artist when okay. I was younger. It's one of my, neglected talent i my my mother's are actually a a professor in architecture so she teaches uh future architects so in a university so i think i got her the talents of her hands so i i kind of i'm kind of good in drawing because when i was in when i was in grade school i would win awards for best painting or base best poster but I kind of neglected that because I wanted to do more of the people relating stuff as opposed to being an introvert. So, um, so that's it. So I'm fun with comics and I, um, and I would probably be the first person to line up when Superman versus Batman is showing. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and is there any, I know you're a lifelong learner. 
um, from our previous conversations. But is there, with respect to sharing with our audience, is there a particular skill or knowledge you're trying to master right now? Uh, I'm trying. Let me give you a background first. I'm a I'm a multitasker. Mm. Even though when I was young, I um, I would do my homework at the same time, watch TV, and at the same time talk to a friend. So <laughs> that's it's kind of odd, but. I think I'm quite efficient in all. I, I get things done. I get to understand what's in the TV show. I get to finish my homework and I get to listen to my friend at the same time or my mom, whoever's talking to me. But over time, I realized that there's value in focus. Um, just focusing on your core competency, focusing on what you do best. I'm trying to master the art of focus. Mm. And I just thought if I'm good with a lot of things simultaneously, See what I can do with one singular item mm. with all my energies focused on that. So I'm trying to master that. And, um, and I guess, especially with the digital age, many young people right now are not focused. So, um, I, I would love to see them focus on something and really create something amazing with that, with that singular thing. Excellent. That actually transitions nicely into the, the second last part of the show, which is on productivity. Okay. Because um, I know you wouldn't be where you are today without some habits of, well, mm. many habits of excellence and productivity that you've mastered. So is there a particular productivity habit you have that others may benefit from? It's consistency. I'd, I'd like to be consistent. I, I'd like to start, I like starting things. I'm, I'm basically a creative mm. initiator. Um, but I, I like to finish it. <laughs> um, uh, my mom knows that I'm a good starter, but I'm a bad finisher. I, I start a project here. I'll, I'll start building a tree house and I know it's still there. <laughs> it's not finished at all. But, uh, so when it comes to work, productivity, business, I'm mastering the art of consistency as well. Yeah. Just being, and, and even when you're with your, purpose statement or your vision statement or your why yes uh, it's the consistency of that it's saying no to things that are not synergistic to what you're doing so yes. and it's hard it's, it's really hard so it's assessing it at the end of the day and saying i'm not going to do this and so i have to follow mike and say this is really not uh, aligned to my mission in life so i'm sorry i love to spend time with you and i love to do this but I have to say no, so I would have more time doing other things, which I know yeah. is more important. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, you're listening to someone who hasn't really arrived in that, the mastery of that. It's still an ongoing yeah. process in my life. No, thank you. And okay, if, we're to, if it, your permission to build on that, okay. because it's one of my questions I always ask, because I really believe, just like what you've said, that the importance of the, the ability and the wisdom to be able to say no to the wrong opportunities, the wrong people um, that come up your way. So is there one thing that you've said no to in your career that has helped you the most? Um, a lot, I think. <laughs> um, I started closing doors simply because I know that, not because I'm better. I mean, I'm, I'm not worth their time or, or my time is not worth theirs or something like that. It's, it's really because I think that other people might be better at doing that. 
Um, okay. There was a point in my life, and and I probably would hesitate saying this, and I and I hope it it doesn't come across in a wrong way. There, there was a point in my life when I was when I was doing public speaking and training that I would accept just about anything that comes my way. So I, I became fairly popular, let's say, in the evangelical community. So I would go from one church to another. So it's like, and it's funny because uh, my weekend is probably the fullest. Like I would in 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 one weekend, I would I would be I would have spoken to four churches simply wow. because I got invitations to all of them. But um, in the last few years, I started declining them. Mm. Mainly because I know that my mission is to focus on the marketplace. And, mm. and I'm glad I realized that early on because I'll be burned out by the time I actually, uh, get to fulfill most of the tracks that I'm supposed to cover. Yes. So it's, and, and, and I know a lot of people are hurt and a lot of people feel that I'm, I'm, I'm a snob because I do that mm. or because some prob- some people probably assume that because we're not going to pay him as much as what the uh, the private sector would, but maybe this is a good platform to actually straighten that out. So <laughs> most people would hear it. It's not because I don't get paid. It's it's because it's just what they call that term. It's really just maximizing the the energy that I have in in uh, in a focused manner. So I, I'm getting older. I'm I'm in my early forties now. So. Uh, if I don't do that, I'm spreading myself thin and it's not going to do justice. So it's, it's really saying to, to a lot of my, uh, Christian friends that there are probably other people who's best at doing that, like mm-hmm. speaking to your youth camp or speaking to your men's fellowship or whatever. So, but, but, and, and, and you, you must look for them, but I'm actually, I'm trying to focus my energies now on, on, on what God has given to me as a mission, as a, um, I, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, I think I'm, what I'm saying is I'm focusing on my Nineveh because yeah. I'm really called to go to that island and just talk to those people. Um, I, I, it's not that talking to you is a waste of time. I, I think if we have extra time and I'm in a, on vacation for like three months, then probably we could do that. But if I am to weigh things out properly, then I'll probably mm-hmm. just, so my, my weekend would normally free up just because I could spend time with my family and then my, my several five, my five days in a week would be more. So it's, uh, am I deviating from your question? Or no, I'm still not responding. No, it's, it's an excellent answer. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's probably what, that's what I've learned in the last 10 years. And again, I knew at that. It's just that I'm beginning to discipline myself to, to say no and, to collectively pursue the things that I know I should be pursuing. Mm. Thank you. That's an excellent answer and something that we all need to be reminded of daily, the power of no. And uh, I really appreciate that very practical example. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? (laughs) Okay. That handsome guy. (laughs) (laughs) Still handsome. (laughs) Going back to him... And all his, uh, all what's going through his mind. If you were to sit down with him for two or three minutes, what, what would you say? Yeah, you know, in, 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 for my 20 year old self, I'll probably say, dude, you're on the wrong track. <laughs> <laughs> I should have started early. I actually envy you. I, I envy a lot of young people. And, and 
that jealousy was was really deeply rooted that I had to build my heart. And and there was a point, and this is sidetracking. There was a point that I was telling some of the younger men that I mentor that why are you on a rush? I mean, get a normal job. I, I would and that and that was stupid. Again, forgive the word. <laughs> I would tell that to certain people. I mean, just. Go, go get a normal job, get married, settle down. I mean, don't, don't be idealistic and, and try to change the world because I think they're rushing into it at age 20 or 21. But at, now at this point, when I have lots of regrets and believe me, I have tons. So I realized that I should have started young. And w- because if th- this is your track, if it's this, remember God is at work. If, if that, that is your track and that's your noble vision and purpose in life, it was always been there since you were age one. So it's like, uh, no matter what you do, you'll still end up there mm. uh, unless you totally deviate from, from that. But um, so if you start younger, you probably accomplish more. Not so much because of achievements. You probably learn more. Mm. So like my 20 year old self, I would probably, instead of pursuing an, uh, an, a degree in, I mean, a, a master's degree in marketing, for example, I would probably pursue, like what I said a while ago, behavioral science. Yeah. I'd probably study psychology. Mm. I probably went to HR because I, I ended up serving a lot of HR people mm. and I'd never had that experience. So they'd probably find that kind of weird if they realize that. So, but I, uh, I would have started young in this track because I knew it was my interest from the very beginning, um, as early as high school. I just ignored it because I thought that the greener pastures in this area, mm. and it was. But no, I was dead wrong. I wasted a decade of my life. But I'm glad I shifted mid uh, after that. So that would be that's one the one thing I would tell to my younger self: start early. Excellent. I think that's a message we all need to hear because mm-hmm. I know a lot of us, including myself, procrastinating on pursuing vision, purpose, goals, etc. So, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, second last question. Okay. This podcast is all about helping Pinoys go further faster, whether it be here in this country, in the Philippines, or the millions of OFWs around the world. What is your dream, Boris, for the Filipino people? Hmm. That's a tough question to answer. Um, basically, because I'm just trying to do my part in one sector of society. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my it's really more like a vision. It's really more like a hope. Um, I want to answer that question in in the future <laughs> when I really have a statement for it. But but my but my vision and my hope for my people. Is, is to pursue success over fame. And, and let me explain that. Uh, a lot of people pursue fame over success a lot of time. I mean, especially in the advent of digital technology. I mean, you want to get famous, post something on YouTube, and then have so many likes, and then eventually you're famous. And I know it's a way to, uh, it's, it's a means to get to a particular goal, especially like if you're trying to be a celebrity and all. But, um, a lot of my countrymen are caught up with that. And when we define success, 
success is hard work. There's really lots of hard work in success. And I could give you of several entrepreneurs who are good friends of mine who are successful because of their hard work. And, um, and most Filipinos must embrace that. I mean, it takes so much hard work to, to get for successful entrepreneurs to get to where they are right now. And, uh, we are a, we're a fairly entertaining country. <laughs> it's really, uh, but we're also a, a group of people who are excellent in their service. I, I think Filipinos can master that. I mean, as, as opposed to being, following a particular master. Uh, and there's, there's always, there's always be expats coming here or foreigners. Uh, starting a business on service, for example, that, uh, BPOs is a classic example of yeah. in, investors coming here and maximizing the, the people as a resource. That's why I really applaud and appreciate local businesses who would start their own outsourcing company. Mm. And hopefully they take care of their fellow men better. Because sometimes they they don't. Um, so I'd like I'd like my people to pursue success more than pain. And in the process of pursuing their the success over pain is because eventually if you're successful, fame would just follow. I mean you don't yeah. really have to pursue it. And in the process of pursuing success, uh manage to build integrity, humility, and generosity. Because I think we're we're very generous people and and I think we're fairly modest as well I mean in in general there's a lot of people who live according to their values in this country but integrity should be a consistent lifestyle on on about anything whether in paying your taxes or in treating a waiter or in driving through traffic Humility should be consistent in all stages, whether it's talking to their people or having a family reunion or bragging about your business. Generosity should happen on a daily basis, not just during, not just when a calamity strikes. Mm. Because, uh, because that's how we build the nation. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm not thinking in, I'm not thinking and speaking in absolute terms. I'm, I'm just speaking from the particular sector where I'm working. I'm, I'm not yeah. even involved in the public sector. I'm involved with the private sector. I'm not even involved in the education sector. So that I think what businessmen should, should, should happen. And, and in most countries, it's actually the businessmen. It's the, the private sector that builds up a nation. I mean, mm. take the United States, for example, KFC, McDonald's. Kenny Rogers, those are entrepreneurial ventures. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Kenny Rogers or mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Started in Kentucky, I suppose. <laughs> but now it's a global brand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Filipinos have the propensity and the tendency to be like that. I mean, Jollibee is, is a big enterprise right now. So, yeah, success over fame. Excellent. Thank you so much. And before I answer ask my final question i first want to acknowledge you boris thank you um number one for actually taking the time to do this i know you're a very busy man i've actually 
you give me a peek of your schedule earlier and it is packed and to take time to not say no <laughs> to this interview so that the many listeners in the Philippines and across the world can listen to this, absorb this and really take away something. And that's why I want to really encourage our listeners here because Bar said so much golden stuff, but really take away one thing, at least one thing that you can apply to your life to help you become the best version of self. So thank you so much, Boris, for being Anytime. part of this show. My last question is... Oh, we should have one more. Oh, we have one question, yeah. <laughs> this podcast is called mm. The Best of You. Mm. And it has the purpose of helping people, Filipinos, become the best version of self, of themselves. What is the final advice that you would give someone on that journey to becoming the best version of self? Mm. Okay, well, again, I, I probably would go back to the attitude of the learner. Um, and I, I'll probably combine it with uh, my recent reflection about my egoistic self. Um, the, the, moment when you re the moment that you get infected with pride, yeah, thinking that you're better than anybody, yeah, that's, the, that's, the, that's the first day of your downfall. Because you you probably wouldn't be willing to listen to anything else, and uh, maybe to summarize that, I uh, and we probably you probably thought this. It's uh, um, and in, in our training we, we talk about listening with empathy. It's well, it's just opening up yourself like an empty barrel whenever you talk to people, and it's it it goes it translates into many directions. For one, you actually get to, you actually probably will get to learn something just by listening to that person, regardless whether the person is younger than you, older than you, or of lesser position than you, uh, seemingly, because there's no such thing. Um, I've learned in my life that even if I talk to a tribal group in the mountain, it's not that they lack intelligence. I lack the ability to level with them and open my mind and listen to what valuable insights I can learn from them. Mm. I'm actually amazed that when I do talk to a tribal group, I actually generate more insights than when I talk to a couple of executives in a boardroom. So it's just, um, uh, it's just an attitude of opening up your mind and just trying to see what are the gems from this conversation. So as, even as I talk to you now, probably my next step is to process it and as I travel to my next meeting, what were the gems that I realized and I didn't realize before just by talking to you, just listening to your skill. Um, because we sometimes listen to ourselves more than we listen to others. Mm -hmm. So you stop learning when you stop listening. So we need to master the art of listening more. Uh, and especially for those who are trying to teach just like I am, teachers in particular, trainers, speakers, educators, anybody who mentors others, um, you really need to refuel anyway. So you, you probably want to, to be an open, empty barrel every time you listen to someone expecting something new to come up from that conversation and store it up there and eventually it will be useful. Well, amazing. That's it. Thank you Thank so you. much, Boris. I think Thank I could, you. we definitely need to have a part two <laughs> sometime in the future. Oh, yeah. I have a uh, hundred more questions 
to probably ask you and there's so much you can share of value to the audience but for now we really appreciate you thank you so much for being the person you are for the man you are the leader you are and husband the father and God bless you thank you thank you so much I appreciate it God bless you and there you have it guys an interview with the one and only Boris Wacken amazing amazing stuff it doesn't end there. Please go to our website, bestofyou.ph, where you'll be able to see all the show notes associated with this episode. We would love to hear your comments. Sincerely, we would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Boris shared with us some golden wisdom, and we would love to hear how you're, you think about this and how you're applying this to your life. So please go on to the website, bestofyou.ph. Go to the episode, leave a comment, or go to our social media, Facebook, etc., etc., and leave a comment there. We would really sincerely appreciate it. Also, if you're a sponsor and you like what you hear and you want to partner with us, we would be delighted to discuss. So go to bestofyou.ph, follow the contact details there, and we'll talk some more. And last but not least, this show is all about helping you go further faster. We are honored and privileged that you allow us into your day and we sincerely hope that this does help you on your journey god bless you stay great maraming salamat have a fantastic day thank you someone get in the